We go and grab a quick bite. We watch a movie, then fight. We're the fast food film friends. You're listening to Fast Food Film Friends, a show hosted by two guys who like to think of themselves as the best pictures of podcast hosts, in which we heap praise on the movies that almost nobody can agree on. This week we'll be talking all things Oscars, because the big night is happening in just a couple weeks, and there's a lot to break down, Kevin. I'm excited. So tonight we'll be running through our predictions and also highlighting a handful of movies that we haven't really had time to touch on in any of our previous episodes. Very excited. And while we do all of that, we'll be eating something a little special. You know, Nathan, award season is always filled with surprises, some that are nice, pleasant surprises, and Mm -hmm. some surprises that we absolutely hate, like last year's surprise Best Picture winner. So to go along with all this Oscars talk, we will be doing a surprise sweets swap. And as somebody with a mild lisp, this is going to be a terrifying episode in which Nathan and I give each other separate fast food dessert items that we have purchased in secret prior to recording. Correct. So I have no idea what you got for me. Yes. You don't know what I got for you. I really hope we got each other the same thing because I was <laughs> I spent a lot of time at work today scouring all the local fast food location menus mm-hmm. looking for that best dessert I could find. It would bring me so much joy. Uh, statistically, it's very improbable. Yeah. But what I do know is that, you know, listeners of our show may know that I'm a man who loves his sweets. Yes. And you you're a man who's quite picky about his sweets. Mm-hmm. So, Did you go based on what you thought I would like the most or based on what you thought you would like the most? I, here's what I'll say. I, the, the thing that I bought, my surprise snack for you, mm-hmm. I think it's probably universally pretty good. Wow. I, don't, I don't think it's going to be... So on the sweet side that you're going to give up after two bites, as you mm-hmm. often do on this mm-hmm. show. But uh, I am excited to also take a little bite of the thing that I got for you. So Ooh, I will not uh, be asking for any of yours because I know how you get if anybody tries to get towards your sweets. <laughs> Combatant. Very toothy. And, you know, Kevin, of course, we've got to have a theme to pair all this food with all this award talk. Mm-hmm. So tonight we'll be doing a best pictured surprise sweet swap, which in our case means that you and I... Based our decisions entirely on the photos of these desserts that we found on their respective restaurants' websites. So yes. neither of us have actually ever tried the foods that we bought. Mm-hmm. So this should be good. Yeah, just the ones that looked the prettiest, really, is what I went for. And I, this was a struggle. I mean, there's a lot of good-looking desserts out there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great, great pictures of desserts. Uh, and it, I have two that were kind of my, my top two that I struggled with. Yeah. Uh, I will be showing you the runner-up that I did not get you. And I think you will agree that I made the right choice, but I can't be sure. <laughs> I can't wait. Before we get there, uh, we actually need to do something that we haven't done on the show in a very, very long time, which yeah. is uh, make a correction oh, from our previous episode. Lord. So our last episode was yeah. our top 10 of the year. Sure was. We counted down all our favorites in 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to make a little correction on my list because I have since seen 1917 and my entire list doesn't matter anymore. Excuse me. You can't be adjusting your list. <laughs> this is a moment in time. <laughs> Frozen forever. The list is thrown out. The list has been incinerated. I will say, I watched, so since this top 10 episode, because I knew that this episode was coming up, I've been trying to watch still movies from 2019 that have been nominated, documentaries, shorts, animated movies. So for the last week and a half, since I've known that we're going to do this episode, really since we recorded our last episode, I've still been binging 2019 movies. And there are probably three or four I've watched that would have made my top 10 list. Uh, we'll probably touch on them during this episode, uh, but it is so frustrating uh, <laughs> that we cannot see all the movies. And like, I'm so excited that after tonight, I'm done with 2019 movies. <laughs> I will never watch another 2019 movie other than the two I have on my counter from Netflix DVD right now. Uh, but I am very excited to watch 
more films not from 2019. What do you say we real quick run through the movies nominated for Best Picture yes. at this year's Oscars? Like you said, touch on a few we may not have talked about yet in past episodes. I really want to talk about 1917. Oh. Because... I think this movie is, is remarkable. It is. It, it's it, like the uncut gems of war movies. It was... It, it is... It's a technical achievement, and I knew that going into it, because that was the entire discussion surrounding this movie for weeks before yeah. I saw it. Like, long shots. The film appears as one long take, although it's actually many separate smaller takes stitched together. Mm-hmm. It's in real time, so I knew it's going to be kind of this thrill ride, kind of this like, exciting story. Yeah. The director of photography is Roger Deakins, so I'm like, all right. He's probably the greatest living director of photography. It's going to be gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I expected this movie to like leave me in awe of its filmmaking, and it certainly did. Like The artistry alone was enough for me to recommend everyone to see this film. Yep. What I didn't expect was to be so emotionally affected oh. by this movie, and like to feel all the things I felt while I watched it, and to, to be so moved by these actors' performances. Yeah. I mean, it was a... I think we we saw this with a large group of friends because nobody had seen it yet. And we all walked out and I feel like everyone just like whew, took a breath finally after leaving this movie. It is so emotional. It is so enthralling. It feels like you are right there with the characters the entire time. And it is it is a cinematic experience unlike most. Unlike really any other film I can think of that's popped into my head just because of the way it's made and how great it's acted. And just the subject matter it covers. It's so... It's just so well done across the board. And this probably would have made my top 10 as well. Yeah. I mean, it honestly would have been near the very top of my list. Mm-hmm. It would have been like top three, I think. Oof. And when I went into the movie, like I was, you know, I was worried like maybe it'd be kind of like too showy. Like maybe, you know, sometimes like when, when filmmakers set out to do something that hasn't really been done before, like it can feel like kind of like a tech demo. Like they're focusing yeah. more on like wowing the audience rather than like making a good movie. But like, the way I feel about this, looking back on my experience watching it, is that like every ambitious creative decision was made in pure service of telling a great story. And mm-hmm. like I you know, I, I love seeing like artists dream up something that hasn't been done before and then like achieving those goals, but like it doesn't feel like they thought to themselves, Oh, we want to have a shot where the camera does this, how do we make that happen? Yeah. They were they the story was there and they thought, Where do we need to put the camera? regardless of physics yeah. or of how humans or how mass works, where, do we, where, where does the camera, where does the audience's window into the story need to be? Yep. And then from there, they're like, how on earth do we physically make that happen? Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's an achievement. It's absolutely incredible. It is. Uh, it absolutely is. There's one other movie um, that I recently saw, which we will touch on because it is nominated for a category, but I want to surprise you with it, that I was also astounded by how they got some of the shots. And I'm very excited to talk through which one it is. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for you to even guess which one it is. Is uh, it Jerry Seinfeld's The Bee Movie? Uh, no, it is not. It's Rango, actually. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. We'll get but there. Again, yeah, the shots in this are amazing. And it is just what a story, too, like in all honesty. just what a, It's a simple story. It's, you know, it's the act of, of one mission, you know, one daily task. Mm-hmm. And it is... I think the only word that I can think of is enthralling because it literally just sucks you in. Like it, it sucks you in like uncut gems did anxiety, just rising almost the entire time wondering how it's going to turn out. Ooh, it's just a ride. It's just a ride. And I want to ride it. I want to go again. I want to get right back in line and go again. Speaking of rides, the next film nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars is Ford vs. Ferrari. Excellent now, you, transition. You were, Excellent not, transition. you were not able to see this one? I was not. Really? And let me tell you, one of my close friends, uh, J-Mac, we'll call him, 
when I sent my top 10 list to him, he said, oof, you have not seen Ford versus Ferrari, have you? And I said, no, I have not. Uh, it is a huge blind spot for me. It's the only major film that's nominated for a few things that I have not seen. Uh, I will probably see it this weekend because uh, I want to see it in theaters. But I'm very disappointed in myself. Uh, and I apologize for letting you down as a podcast co-host. I, I would say um, I did not love this movie. I, did, I think that... Of, of these films, this is one of those that if you're ever going to watch it, you have to see it in a theater because yeah. you'll be very disappointed if you watch it on a small screen because the racing scenes are amazing. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it takes up a pretty decent chunk of the movie just being in the car with Christian mm-hmm. Bale. Mm-hmm. Those scenes are fantastic. I think they're surrounded by about an hour and a half of complete garbage oh, that I really disliked. But those scenes are so good that I'm yeah. like, you, yeah, you should see this movie. You, I mean, I think I said, like, oh, I still haven't seen this a few weeks ago. And you said, like, don't bother. I think it was your honest response to me. And I thought, huh, interesting. Here, I will say, at the time, you were going through movies for your top ten list. And you had a very, very long list. And in terms of quality, mm. there was about 30 movies on your list mm. that were better than this one. I'm, I'm telling you now, you have the chance to see it. Just go see it. In you know, don't act like you know my life, Nathan, okay? Or what movies I was going to see or what ones I would even like more than you. We have very different taste. And speaking of that, I'd like to talk about the next Best Picture nomination, <laughs> Jojo Rabbit, which was my number one film of the year. Mm-hmm. And even with 1917 included, and even with movies I've watched since our last episode, that's going to be my number one still. I don't think it's going to win, which is very sad. I don't think it will. I think that it's a movie that's not really been taken seriously. Uh, Um, And like, and even I, I I enjoyed it. Like I, I enjoyed kind of the, the lighter. I enjoyed the humor. I enjoyed, I think it's sweet. Theater going experience with this movie. Uh, that we touched on that I think soured the whole thing for that me. certainly could have contributed to it. I, I did not at all connect with this film as deep as, <sighs> as some people have, but I, I don't really hold anything against it. I think it's a, I think it's a good movie and we'll leave it at that. It is a great movie. Uh, I hope it pulls a green book, surprises everyone. Everyone else's votes get split and the Jojo rabbit purists just really send it straight to the they make their way through like Moses. Yes. I am. Um, God, I love that movie. I don't think enough people have seen it. Sam Rockwell's great. Go see it. Tyka. Speaking of movies that no one's really seen, uh, yeah. Joker mm. has 11 nominations this year at the film. Oscars. Uh, I just, I appreciate that there is this work of art that, has polarized people has. of all ages, yep. of all sides of the political spectrum, mm-hmm. all kinds of movie fans. Like in any subgroup of people, you'll find some who despise Joker and some yeah. who absolutely love Joker. Mm-hmm. And it also made a billion dollars. <laughs> like it was a blockbuster. Cool billion. Cool billion. I I was somewhere in between loving and hating. I, yeah. I did really like some aspects of it. I had some big problems with the story kind of in the last portion, which yeah. we have a whole long episode where we, you know, we unpack all that. I invite our listeners who haven't listened to the episode to uh, give that a try. Scope it out. But uh, I, I just appreciate that like Todd Phillips Trojan horsed a dark character study yeah. into what seemed like a comic book movie and yeah, it's complicated, but like he made the public think, oh, this is a this is something that if you like comic movies, you need to see this. Yeah. And then it was not what most people thought it was, but it still did really well. You know? I think the greatest thing that this Joker film accomplished truly is eliminating Jared Leto's Joker from the universe forever. A uh, really? From this day forward. Um, huge accomplishment. I think we should all rejoice in that. <laughs> Uh, I don't think this one will take Best Picture either. I think uh, Joaquin is a walk. 
Walken? Is that a Locken is the word I'm looking for, but his name throws me that much. I think the Oscars will be kind of a walking the park for me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but I don't see it winning Best Picture. I think it is too divisive. And I think there's so many, like the next five movies we're about to name, I like more than The Joker. And the two of the previous three we've named, I like more than The Joker. Um, again, it is, it's a phenomenal performance uh, from Joaquin. Um, but other than that, it, it's, I felt so bleak after leaving the theater, which is good. It made me feel, I mean, it tilted my emotional scales to an extent most movies don't. Um, but it's just wasn't, it didn't have the bite at the end that you want, like a, a movie like that too, I think. But yeah, you know. I, I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. A movie that did have the bite, in my opinion, and that I am so happy made it onto this list yes. is Little Women. Yeah. It was my number three of the year. Woo. This really was not, you know, a shoe in for a nomination in this category. It's mm-hmm. It's been woefully overlooked, you know, Greta Gerwig not being nominated for director. Thankfully, she got in for screenplay, but mm-hmm. this film just, man, we, we talked about this at length in our top 10 episode. Yeah. Not enough people have seen this movie. Yes. And if you are listening to this and you haven't heard me rave about how great this movie is, mm-hmm. please, please, please check it out. Yeah. I think I, it is absolutely wonderful. You know, I wish all of these movies would be just like streaming on a service as soon as they're nominated. The Oscars should just get their own streaming service because I would I want to rewatch all of these movies. Some of them are still in theaters. It makes it almost impossible because they're kind of sparse showtimes. I can't go to a Wednesday, you know, one fifteen p.m. movie showing. Um, although I might this week just to try to try to sneak that in. But um, this movie I want to rewatch again and again. The performances are all great across the board. The writing's great. The you know like I think we talked about this at length too in in one of our previous episodes. But you know the the sets, the costumes, everything is just immaculate. And Greta Gerwig is a treasure, and we should just keep her and Noah Baumbach in a in a safe or something, where and let them out every two years to make films alternately. And the next nominee is Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story, mm-hmm. which we both enjoyed quite a bit. We haven't really talked about that much on the show. No, I yeah actually we haven't, which is strange. I guess it you know. Didn't make either of our top tens, which I thought it would. This movie, again, super emotional. Um, Amazing performances. I think Adam Driver, like Joaquin Phoenix said, should have been up there on the podium accepting the uh, Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Actor. And I would love to see him win again for the Oscars. But um, Scarlett Joe's great in this, too. I really love this movie. I struggled with this one on my top tens. Um, But just a simple story, amazingly acted. Again, just the writing, so strong so strong i think it was probably my favorite ensemble cast of the year like just yes. like the the main four or five actors mm-hmm. are, are fantastic yeah. and uh, i mean I, i'm a big adam driver fan but yeah him ray liotta laura dern yeah. like there's a reason why laura dern's a lock for this award mm-hmm. and all the shows scar joe it does a very very good job yep it's it's great and the writer and no bombach is probably my favorite writer and it's it's just some of the most incredible dialogue even when like I feel like this movie is almost like online. It almost gets like memed more than it gets like it legitimate it discussion, and it's and it kind of make it's kind of a bummer because the the most powerful part of this movie kind of gets played for a joke. And I get that's how the internet works. I get yeah. that's that's yeah. that's how Twitter is. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, man, like that's like I feel like it's a very cynical discourse around See, this movie. I feel like it's it's I think it's an ode to Noah Baumbach's writing. I honestly do because he writes these characters and situations that we can apply to our lives so easily that I've seen the same picture of Adam driver and like the text underneath him from a scene in 72 different memes about like when this happens and it's, his writing is so relatable and it can be 
brought into our lives in all these different ways. And yes, it's kind of, you know, making a mockery of it, but it's still like, like, like universally shit. human in a yeah, way. Yeah, it is. I see what you mean. Um, and, and that's why I saw all these memes before I saw the movie. And then I saw the movie and I was like, whoa, that was like <laughs> way different than what I had kind of imagined. It was a leap. Um, but it's, it's, I kind of, I kind of enjoy the fact that people are using it so frequently, you know, it just makes it that much a more part of our culture. I will say like a couple months ago, marriage story was kind of, I feel like it was kind of being hyped as one of the front runners it for was. all these big awards. It and was. like, it has lost steam. I think it's probably going to go home with exactly one Oscar. Laura Dern. Yeah. And I, that makes me so sad because it was totally a front runner. I think Parasite's just bowled over everything. I think 1917 as well. Um, and Tarantino, you know, he's standing the test of time. And speaking of him, the next movie is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Indeed. We've talked about this movie at length of a full episode. We, yeah. It was on your list in our last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both loved it. Yeah. Um, we, you know, you had talked about how you're like, you know, I love this movie, but is it like, does it go near the top of my list? Is it an honorable mention? Where does it even go? Because yeah. it almost, it's hard to really pinpoint kind of where our personal affection for this man and his art yeah. starts and where like genuine quality starts like it's it's, yeah. it's a really weird kind of line to walk it is but i mean i have no complaints about this movie zero it's, complaints. it's just it's a great film zero complaints and again i think in our episode about this one we gushed over it the majority of our episode i as a like you said it's hard to tell where my love for this man and my love for this movie start and end but great movie overall brad pitt again i feel like is almost a lock for supporting actor I now think he he's is, yeah. taken basically every award um Again, it's. I don't think it's my favorite out of these because Jojo Rabbit is obviously, but um, I think if I think it would be near the bottom of the, of the movies on this uh, Best Picture dais, if you if if you will. Yeah. Next up is Parasite, which I had six nominations. Which I mean, that's surprising on one hand, but also like this has been the most hyped movie of the year. Yeah. Like yeah. ever since it was showing at festivals back in the summer, mm-hmm. all I heard was like, "Oh, this is one of the best movies of the decade." Yeah. And I mean, it's you know, it got best uh, foreign language at the Globes. It's um, I feel like it won best picture at the SAGs. Is that it was best, best ensemble, ensemble cast? cast yeah. um, which this whole cast are all great in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. they play different roles, uh, very different people, but um, the, I mean, the way they're played, it's just it's amazing. Uh, great movie, uh, again, well written, super unique movie too. Um, I do you think it could take Best Picture at the Oscars? I think there's a chance. Now we're gonna wait to the end of the show to really give our predictions yes. for Best okay. Picture and to okay. kind of I want to walk through some of my logic yep. as I often do. Yes, but uh, but yeah, there 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 is a chance of that for sure, and it would be pretty historic. It would, it would, which is uh, it's exciting. I, that's what makes me doubt it will happen though. If there's one thing the Oscars don't like; it's doing things that are progressive. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, Speaking lastly, of new and historic oh and progressive things, The Irishman is our uh, last nominee. Uh, Kevin, you love this movie. I think I, I don't even not like this movie. It is a fine movie. It should have been a series. It's too long. Robert De Niro's eyes are insane. <laughs> uh, some decent performances, but there's no way this is walking away with. I honestly don't think any awards. It may get none. I think it's going to get But it has none. 10 nominations, but it may get none. I hope it gets none. It deserves maybe one. Pesci. I'll, I will just say this. If it wasn't for De Niro's weird face, this would have absolutely been on my top ten. But of I course. couldn't. I just couldn't do it. I'm like, I can't put a movie up there with such a glaring flaw. I see that face every time I close my eyes at night, <laughs> and it haunts me. I can't get rid of it. 
I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's the only one on this list that I've seen multiple times. Which is insane. Uh, I mean, I will say, if the, rest, if, if the rest of them were all on Netflix, I probably would have checked out other ones multiple times, and maybe sure. even instead. But I have spent seven hours of my life watching The Irishman, <laughs> I and I enjoyed it every minute. I, I think it's a really great movie. I don't think it's going to get any awards. Neither do I. Now... Before I move on to our uh, working through category by category with all our yeah. predictions, you know, what do you say we go ahead and surprise each other? I'm excited. With these sweets. I'm excited. All right. Our eyes, all four of our eyes are closed. That's right. We're holding our sweets. Fast food. Film Can you go ahead and uh, put your sweet on the table? Have you done that? I've done mine. Are yes. your eyes open? No. I said, can you put God, yours on I'm the so table? I'm so excited. What if it's the same thing? I'm so excited. Three, two, one. Open. Oh, oh man. very similar containers. Same place. We both went Portillo. Portillos. Oh my god. We, oh, we yeah. both went to Portillos. We were so close. <laughs> to getting oh the same my thing. god. I'm so glad. I am so glad. Oh, I my. think I was looking at the desserts online. Maybe it's just their photography team. They've got some. Beautiful it's got to be. I saw that. The second I saw this picture, I was like, yeah. done. And look at I've these things. This. I mean, they look. Beautiful. They look beautiful. These both look really good. All right. Uh, I'm I, so glad. We, <laughs> we need to place. tell people what these are. Mm-hmm. The thing I got for you is a strawberry shortcake. Yes. Which is in a, a covered bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just go ahead and pull up the description real quick. And I love angel food cake. I love strawberries. I like whipped cream. This is a perfect dessert for me. Perfect sweet. All right, here's a description of the strawberry shortcake from Portillo's.com. Our famous Italian strawberry shortcake is a light, fluffy angel food cake layered with fresh strawberries mm. and topped with homemade mascarpone cheese whipped topping. Mm. Made fresh every morning. And you got me the chocolate eclair cake. I did. And which I, is described as follows. Yeah, lay it on me. Um, there's no description. I was going to say, I couldn't find one, so I was hoping you did. Looks like layers of sort of like a graham cracker type crust. Like there's four layers of that. And mm-hmm. in between that is... You know, eclair, like a Boston cream, yeah. whatever filling. Top and of chocolate. Drizzled chocolate on top. Yeah. You know, I thought just the layering of it makes for a stunning picture online. It looked, I've been watching a lot of the Great British Bake Off. Uh, it looks like it was very well prepared, well crafted, um, artsy almost, you know, kind of refined. Mm-hmm. Um, my secondary option was a pie made with Twix from Burger King. Ooh. And it just didn't seem, it seemed more golden globey than a cat <laughs> in my mind. Um, but it did also have a great picture. It but does. I thought you would like this kind of sweet. I'm so sweet. thankful. You know, we've never done Portillo's on this show Mm-mm. and we both happened to go there for the first time I think separately. I wish we'd like seen each other like in the drive through or I something, know. just made eye contact. <laughs> I mean, we were only one item away, you know, same menu. Just amazed. All right, let's pop these open. Well, let's uh, let's swap these. Let us take a bite. I don't even know how to go about this thing. I'm going to make a little pie-shaped slice with my fork. Oh, you picked the right thing for me, man. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, my. Oh, my God, Nathan. Can we only do this for spoiler snacks from now on? This is so... This tastes like straight-up strawberry shortcake my aunt used to make. First of all. I knew you would like this. Mm-hmm. It's tasteful. Mm-hmm. It's not overloaded sweetness. No, it's classy. I knew this was up your alley. <sighs> right up my alley. Eclairs and Boston cream pie mm-hmm. are my favorite dessert. Fucking right they are. <laughs> I'm not sure if you knew that exactly, but I think you just knew in your heart. I did. You knew the elements of my tastes. Yep. If there's one thing people <laughs> know, it's that I really listen and care about what you're saying. This chocolate eclair cake is... 
I'm I'm gonna die. <laughs> this is so good. Well, Nathan, I'm very glad we know each other well enough to just <laughs> hit both of our dessert G spots so <laughs> succinctly over and over again. I can't stop with this. I'm gonna eat this whole thing. Dear God, I never finished dessert. It's like two layers of angel food cake with strawberry in in between, covered in whipped cream. The cake has soaked in all the juices of the strawberry. Pairs so nicely with this whipped cream. You got to get in here. I mean, you got to get in here. I have to. Get in on the other side. It is astounding. You're going to have to kind of cut some out. Tell me that's not Mm. astounding. Mm. Tell me that's not astounding. That is better than yours. I can almost guarantee it's better than yours. Wow. These are... Let me get in. Yeah, go ahead and have a bite of mine. Yours tastes like a straight-up strawberry shake. Mm Mm-hmm. That is so good. These are both two of my favorite things we've ever had on this show. Wow. Yours is a lot better than I thought it would be. That is... The chocolate icing is like... It's not quite like an icing texture or flavor that you'd think. It's very... And I can't know how to describe it. That Boston cream, too. That is all... Who knew that they did desserts this well? The thing is, I've had their cake, just their chocolate cake, and it's, it's good, but it's not this good. No, these are... Holy shit. And I've been going to Portillo's for years, mm-hmm. and I cannot believe I've never tried either of these things, because I am getting these forever from yep. now on. Yep. Wow. So damn good. I uh, we got to do this more often, I think. <laughs> We're going to never be this good, though, at it again, I feel like. God, this Boston cream. I can't handle them. Yours is good. I didn't think that's usually not for me, that stuff. That is like the perfect blend, the perfect ratio of everything. God, Portillo's has just nailed it. You know, I put down two Chicago dogs, too, for dinner. Yeah. And a small fry, well done. And I was like, this this place is just knocking it out of the fucking ball. God, I love Portillo's. Oh. I don't think I could love them more, but, like, man. I didn't even know they had strawberry shortcake. Just amazing. Can I have one more bite of that? Yeah. Can I have one more bite of yours? Mm-hmm. Good. I'm glad I didn't go to Burger King for the Twix pie. Let me tell you that much. Me, too. They say the key to a happy relationship is to be able to surprise each other Mm. I think we got some more years in us yeah oh absolutely absolutely I mean we're in the honeymoon phase right now that's why I wore heels like angel food cake with strawberries and whipped cream is my favorite thing we gotta Nathan we're here to talk about movies alright we're getting sidetracked by these orgasmic desserts (laughs) we are doing this to completion oh I'm gonna finish it yeah what a surprise well, just a couple of sweet surprises. Nathan is just shaking his head in disbelief, stunned, stunned by these sweet surprises. You ever just go through life kind of feeling like maybe you've experienced the best there is to be experienced? No. No. And then you eat a chocolate eclair cake and a strawberry shortcake from Portillo's, and you realize there's so much more out there. You're a baby in this little world. It's, uh... Truly two revelations, I think, in the fast food dessert industry. We've had a lot of fast food desserts <laughs> yeah. on this show. I mean, what are we up to? Episode number 40? It's almost the thesis of this show is to eat fast food. Almost. You'd think that we would know what we're talking about. And yeah. we're clearly, eats. we've been doing it wrong all this time. Buffoonery. I mean, it's just, we who, who would trust us? You know, Nathan, I try to stay uh, pretty fit. You know, I go to the gym every now and then. I went to the gym tonight. Then to fit in his cake in my mouth. <laughs> God. God damn it. Went to the gym tonight, straight to Portillo's to pick up uh, dinner and your dessert sweet treat. Mm-hmm. Surprise sweet treat. 
Uh, and I put down two full-size Chicago dogs with all the fixings, a fry, a root beer. I don't drink soda very often. And now a, <laughs> a, a strawberry shortcake that's probably meant to be shared. And I wonder why I don't see a lot of progress from the gym. <laughs> and I think this podcast might be having an effect on my health. What do you say we run through all these categories? I'm going to try to run. I'm guessing you're going to walk at a few points. But uh, yes, let's run through them. This is the order that the awards are presented throughout the evening. Mm-hmm. Lightning round. Actor in a supporting role. It's Brad Pitt. The only chance of an upset here, Hanks? I think is no, I think it's Anthony Hopkins. Really? You've not seen the two popes? I've not. He and Jonathan Price give really, really good performances. Mm-hmm. I didn't love that movie, but their mm-hmm. performances and like their conversations. The movie is mostly just conversations between the two of them. Yeah. They're very, very good. That's the only possible surprise I could see. I think Joe Pesci and Al Pacino are going to cancel each other out. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Hanks, I don't think people really saw that movie. It was one of my favorites of the year. I think people just kind of blew it off. Yeah, but the people who are voting for these awards probably saw this movie. I don't know. I don't know. So you're locked into Brad Pitt. I'm locked in. Have you made all of your choices? Yeah. Because I'm going to be locking mine in as we go. Okay. I just want to let you know that. Uh, No, I don't. I haven't seen the two popes, so I'm not going to vote for that. I I was thinking in my head that it's probably Pesci, Hanks, or Pitt. The thing is, even if you love The Irishman, even if you think those performances are the best ones, people are split among which one was even the best in that movie. Yeah, so, yeah. like, neither of them are going to win. All right, fine. I'm locking in on Pitt. All right. Brad Pitt. Makeup and hairstyling. We got 1917, Bombshell, mm-hmm. Joker, mm-hmm. Judy, and Maleficent. I actually tried to get my hands on Maleficent and could not watch it because uh, I thought, for this category, probably some great makeup and hairstyling in there. Here's what I'll say. The last two years were Vice and yeah. Darkest Hour, both of which had completely transformative makeup yep. to turn a middle-aged actor into mm-hmm. like a recognizable political Correct. icon. That is why I uh, locked it on Bombshell. Bombshell is going to win. Yeah, it has it, to be. It, if you if you aren't familiar with Bombshell, just Google Megan Kelly, Charlize Theron, yeah. and you'll realize why Bombshell is winning this award. I do think, though, that Maleficent could possibly sneak out a win. I here. mean, it's... It's fantasy, like I, I, it's cool makeup, but like I think this is like in terms of like the art of having of using makeup to turn someone into someone else, like yeah. it's bombshell. Yeah, I and, and maybe maybe Judy's up there too. I don't think it's anything like amazing, but mm-hmm. I don't think like something like Joker nineteen seventeen is going to win. Yeah, I'm, my money's on bombshell. All right, I agree with you there. I think our next category. Costume design is one of the most interesting to me because I, I feel I, like it, it could just about be any of these. Fully agree. So we've got Jojo Rabbit, which uh, you know has some great historical costumes, some kind of fun costumes too. We've got Joker, which obviously has iconic that iconic red suit. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the costumes are pretty good. Little Women, great historical costumes. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, more recent historical costumes, uh, and The Irishman, which I would put as kind of the last chance for it's this. A lot category. of suits. A lot of suits. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't think that one has the best chance. I personally would love to see Jojo Rabbit win this. I think the costumes were really unique, super great. I also would vote for Little Women. Here's what I think. I think that if I were voting, I'd say Little Women myself. Mm-hmm. But so the way these awards work is that like the movies that are nominated, they're chosen by people in these specific industries. So like mm-hmm. costume designers are voting to nominate these five movies. But then once it's open for, for voting for the actual winner, mm-hmm everyone's voting the whole academy thousands yep. of people are voting people who don't really know much about like costume design or makeup or whatever yep. and so i think jojo little women once upon a hollywood and even the irishman are all they're all period pieces where mm-hmm. it's like 
accurate clothing. Yeah. And that's and that's an art to be appreciated in itself. Mm-hmm. But Joker is the one that's like they're not recreating something to the way it once was. They are it's a design that is like creative Unique. and iconic in a way that like the the costumes are a big part of what make that like the iconography of that movie and like just the poster itself you see it and you're like oh yeah like what an awesome suit yeah but it is just the suit it's just that because think about what else is in that movie you know you think about once upon a time in hollywood everyone has several different outfits throughout that movie that are accurate to that time unique uh unique to that character you know obviously they're taking off the styling of the time but still and the same with jojo rabbit you know there's a point at when sam sam rockwell is kind of on his his last, you know, kind of charge. And he's got this elaborate costume that I think should win this award alone. Um, but I'm going to hold out hope. I'm going to go with my heart on this and I'm going to pick Jojo rabbit to win this. All right. I even, think, the, even though you probably think that is the dumbest pick in the world. I wouldn't say dumbest. I think you're right. The Irishman has the least chance. I'm going with Joker. as my prediction. Once upon a time in Hollywood, I think has a pretty good chance. As I would, well. it's, Once upon a time in Hollywood is my number two. I do not think Joker will win this. All right. Documentary feature is the next category. Now you and I kind of like, Tried to divvy up movies yeah. to watch that at least one of us could speak to as many things as possible. Yes. How many of these five have you seen? Two. Can I ask which two? Yes. I don't think you're going to be happy with me. I didn't do as much work as I should have. I, no, it's all right. I watched American Factory mm-hmm. and I watched Honeyland. All right. So The Cave is not available to stream anywhere. So I, I did not it. see that. I couldn't find it anywhere. I watched the other four. So it was American Factory for Sama. Honeyland, The Cave, which I didn't see, and The Edge of Democracy. Yes. You watched American Factory. Yeah, I watched that one first. I I loved this documentary. I absolutely loved it. I worked, you know, my, all of my, my, basically my entire career has been working with factories overseas and in America, negotiating with factories, planning production. And I, this like hits so close to home for me. And I was, it was, I think it, it's presented from kind of two different viewpoints, you know, from the, uh, American factory and from the Chinese company that takes it over. So this sorry, step, step back. A second. Yes. So it's about this experiment. There mm-hmm. used to be this like GM plant in a town near Dayton, Ohio. And like mm-hmm. it employed thousands of people. Yes. It closed. Yep. People were laid off in the area for years, mm-hmm. just like many other factories in that entire portion of the country mm-hmm. until a Chinese company called Fuyao decided yep. to open a factory in America. And they, we're like, all right, here's this plant not being used. There's many unemployed workers in the area. We're going to use this place. For work. Yeah. So they bought the place. They employed some of the same employees. They paid them much less yep. than GM paid them. And so the town rallies behind the factory coming back, you know, puts a lot of hope into it. And, and Fuyao sends Chinese workers to America for months or years at a time to help train the Americans mm-hmm. to do things their way. Mm-hmm. It's this experiment that like would have hopefully turned out as a, a success story about how like globalization could be a good thing. Mm-hmm. But like, cause you know, the U S and China see each other as like economic threats. And so like, this is a way that we can work together. We can use each other's strengths to both be stronger. And like yeah. the company knew there would be these cultural differences, like mm-hmm. language barriers, but like what this movie is really about is like, it, it was a clash of like ethics and yeah. workers rights, yep. and, like psychology. Yeah. And it's, it's really, really interesting. It is super fascinating. And it's, you know, having worked in roles that I've worked in before where I, we have to decide between making stuff in America or making stuff overseas in China. There's reasons most factories and most most companies in America choose to make their goods over there. Because their workers work nonstop, their lead times are incredibly short. Because they pay them way less, it's way cheaper. Because they don't have safety regulations and things like that. You can get a lot more done more quickly 
by risking a ton more and paying a cheaper price. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in America, watching them come to America and not even understanding, you know, the the work worker regulations that are required, safety regulations that are required, and kind of being like, oh, you guys don't work on Saturdays? Like, what is that? They should come in and work on Saturdays like we do in China. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a clash of cultures, and it's with both sides trying to be as polite as possible, but it's cl- very clear that it is, like, not a good combination it doesn't work everyone's kind of angry on edge almost all the time and it's just just the way it's presented you know they show these training sessions of the chinese company trying to train all the chinese employees on americans and like how to talk to they talk they talk about like americans as a whole as if they're like toddlers yes like like, how to handle them how to handle them like shower them with praise they've been told from you know day one that they are destined for greatness so be sure to be kind and like Mm. They do. They generalize so much. But on the other side, too, all the American workers are generalizing about the Chinese leadership. And it is just a fascinating study of these two cultures coming together. And eventually they get to the point where it is a functioning, you know, situation, but it's not nearly as well as they had hoped. Yeah. Um, A lot more roadblocks, a lot more roadblocks, but just what a unique look. And like the footage, I think that they get, like, I don't know how, the Chinese company agreed to like let these training sessions out, like where they're talking yeah. about Americans. Like I was it, very surprised this footage got out there. Super surprised. Yeah. Like they talk about Americans. Like we are idiots with like fat hands who can't put stuff together and who don't work hard and who don't move quickly enough. Um, and, and it goes so much against what like the company, like the head of the company, the message yeah. he's trying to put out there. He's yep. trying to be much more positive and mm-hmm. kind of like, he wants their image to be like, oh, we're, we're coming out with an open hand to yeah. help you. We want to do this together. And we are an American factory. But in reality, the way they're talking about the American workers is like they're yeah. animals. Yeah. And it's slowly, you know, it, it slowly becomes much, much more a, a Chinese factory. You know, they bring in more Chinese yeah. workers. They automate way more, um, you know, and it ends up not helping with as, nearly as many jobs as this poor little town had hoped. Right. Um, but it is so good. It's on Netflix. I wish everyone would watch this. Just a fascinating story. And if you have ever worked with anything related to manufacturing, it is just presented in such a cool way. And it is. I love this movie. The uh, next nominee in this category is For Sama, mm-hmm. which is it was made by a Syrian journalist who helped run a hospital in Aleppo mm-hmm. with her husband while the siege of Aleppo was happening. So what used to be this like beautiful, bustling city became basically rubble after yep. years of bombing, mm-hmm. not only from Russian forces, but also like the Syrian military. They're just killing their own people every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And so just imagine the kind of things you'd see in a hospital in a town like that. That's what this movie is. Yeah. And during the years that this is all happening, the director of this film, uh, Wad Al-Khatib, she has a baby named Sama. Mm-hmm. So this movie is like it's the mother narrating her firsthand account of these events to her daughter in hopes that someday her daughter can watch this and start to understand what was happening when she was a baby. Yep. And so the movie is very personal. It has kind of like a home video quality to it. Mm. And it is absolutely chilling. Like she'll be filming her daughter playing or crawling just like any other home video. And then all of a sudden there's just this massive boom because a bomb just got dropped outside. Wow. And then like there's an influx of people with horrible injuries in the hospital downstairs. And this is their lives. Like this little girl knows nothing different. This movie is devastating. And if it sounds like something that you're into, it's streaming on YouTube. So that's for Sama. I need to watch it. I read the, um, I read the synopsis for this movie and I thought, man, that's got to be just heart wrenching and such a unique look into that situation in Syria. Um, very much looking forward to watching it before the Oscars. Um, just didn't have time to, unfortunately. It's a rough watch, but, I it's, believe it. but it's it's very good. 
I would like to take the next one, if you don't mind. What is that? The next one is Honeyland. Mm-hmm. This is a movie I read the synopsis on and I thought, huh, okay, could be kind of interesting. So it's about a beekeeper in Macedonia. Yes. And this is a documentary that looks and feels like a movie that has a gigantic cinematography budget, set budget, a beautifully written script. The first five minutes have some of the most beautiful and striking shots I've seen in any film or documentary ever. It looks like a Baroque era painting, like a Rembrandt level painting. And the film itself looks like it was directed by Orson Welles. Like you, you, and then you watch the subject of these almost medieval paintings enter a modern day city. It is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Stunningly beautiful. Um, and this was the one I was like, how did they film this? Yeah. How did they film this? Who filmed it? How, like, was there one person making these, taking these absolutely beautiful shots that everyone looks like a painting? This movie blew me away. Like, I'm getting chills thinking about it. And it still is. It's this woman who's basically living in the Stone Age, trying to keep bees in the middle of rural Macedonia. Uh, and it's, it's, it's like, how would I ever relate to that? And it's still so relatable because it covers... You know, annoying neighbors, illness, loved ones aging. And it's just, it's still so oddly relatable. And this woman's just story is, oh my God, I was so into this movie. I just didn't expect, I didn't know much about it. I knew the synopsis and I thought this should Mm -hmm. be okay. And I want every, this is like my favorite documentary by far uh, that I've seen in a few years. I liked it more than American Factory. I know I've only seen two out of these five, but truly this movie blew me away. And I I don't know if you feel the same. If I... If I had not known this is a documentary, mm-hmm. if I just sat down and someone pressed play for this and I knew literally nothing, yeah. I would have spent the entire movie trying to figure out if it even was a documentary. That's what because I'm saying. Yes. It, it, okay. It, is the way a- it feels like the filmmakers were like, oh, here's someone that we can uh, maybe film a video about or a short film or something. And then things just start happening yeah. to her. Yep. And they're probably like, oh my God, like, this is like someone wrote a movie and we're yeah. watching it happen and we're just filming this. Well, it's real life. You know, it's like, it's what's it's stranger than fiction. You know, it's like, yes, it is. It's so beyond anything <laughs> anyone would ever write, but it feels like it's something that cannot like it doesn't. It's not that it feels like it can't happen. It feels like how how did they set out to make a movie about a beekeeper and end yeah. up with this film? It is mind blowing. And, and the fact that like there's even like an antagonist who. It's put together so much like a yes, written fictional it's story. A, it is it, literally, it is literature. It is what you see. It, it is, is. It is a short story and it's, acted uh, out. And it's, but it's just this, oh, <laughs> these little kids running around with their animals oh and like God. stuff that happens with the bees. It is. It is just a movie. Like you, it's a fictional movie, but it's somehow real. You you keep thinking like, what else could happen? What it's and it starts off so slow. It's she's keeping bees. You know, she's got her little life and then things just happen. And it, it is such a great thing to watch. It's just beautiful. Like absolute, the shots of her in her house, she has no electricity. She's really living in the stone age lit by, you know, a candle. And you think like so much of this movie is her, you know, almost silent sitting there, but like the looks on her face and the emotion she's putting out, it's like, couldn't be acted better because it's real. But it it's so hard to disconnect like this is a movie. Oh no, it is a document. It's so hard to keep yes. that straight when you're watching this. I watch this with my fiance, and I swear we didn't go more than ten minutes without pausing it yes. and looking at each other and being like, What is happening? Yeah. How is this real? I not I did that. I also paused it on so many different screens and just looked at it and I was like, the lighting 
in this movie, the shots, the cinematography, this should be up for best cinematography. It absolutely should because the opening five minutes and then so many shots throughout this are just stunning. And again, I think it was like a two person team who made this. movie. It was two cinematographers and they camped there for over the course of like three years, just getting as much film as they want, which is insane when you see where this is and like what the, yeah, it is so good. It's on Hulu. I like, I want to tell everyone to watch this movie. It is, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to own a DVD of this for sure. Because it's just, it's an honest to God work of art and it is a work of art that's painted in reality. And it's so rare to find something that is that good and that real and and like untainted by the fact that they're making a movie about them. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I was so excited to talk about that movie. (laughs) I don't know if you can tell, but it knocked my GD socks off. I loved it as well. The final nominee. Talk about these other two pieces. The of final, no, I haven't seen the K, but the final oh, yeah. nominee that I have seen is the Edge of Democracy, mm-hmm. and it's about the rise and fall, or at least like the beginning of the fall of democracy in Brazil. Before having seen all these documentaries, this was probably the one that I was least interested in. But after having seen them all, it is so hard to compare these because Honeyland is so unlike anything you've ever seen before. Like, mm-hmm. but if you like to watch documentaries because you want to you want to learn something fascinating about about something in the world that you don't understand and like you want something to grab you and to mm-hmm. just be gripping the edge of democracy is i think the best one of these wow it, it is after having seen them all like this would have made my top 10 of the year for sure wow i think this is it is an excellent excellent documentary it's on netflix and what is so what's so funny and kind of uh, infuriating is like so netflix also has american factory so they have mm-hmm. two films nominated for best documentary yes obviously they want to win this category i think american factory is probably their best shot of winning just because of it's it's much more high profile it was produced in part by the obamas it's, it's probably the most well known of these if anything wins other than Honeyland, i'm gonna lose my mind Honeyland might win but i'm saying for netflix between their two american care. factory probably is their best chance and so what it seems is happening is that they are intentionally burying the edge of democracy because I literally typed in the word edge in Netflix mm. on the search mm-hmm. and like five movies came up that had the word edge in them and then a bunch of random shit that wasn't related to the word edge yeah. and this didn't come up. Really? And I was like, are you, I, I literally, instead of typing more letters, I went on my phone because I was like, oh, it's not on Netflix. Yeah. It has to be on something else. So I Googled it and I was like, oh, Netflix, huh, weird. And I typed of D and then it came up. Wow. I was like, you got to get that. D. I was like, what kind of algorithms they got going on here? They're trying yeah. to hide this thing and because they don't want anyone. They don't want to take away the. Co- I don't know. Do maybe the, do maybe the, it's a conspiracy. I was going to say, do you think the political nature of it? Do you think they're getting pressure to bury it from? You know, it's it's possible. I don't know. So democracy in Brazil is very young, very fragile. It's only existed since the '80s, around the time when the director of this film was born. And like at first, when you when you start watching this, like their political situation in Brazil seems very different from ours in America. Mm-hmm. But like as much as we all disagree about things here, we're very divided right now. Like for the most part, we all agree on like the core principles of democracy, mm-hmm. you know. And like in any democracy, there will always be this kind of pendulum swing of power shifting from one party to another. Like one leader will be in power for a while. Yep. In the U.S., it's typically for two presidential terms. Mm-hmm. After a while, enough voters become sick of that leader's party because they haven't fixed X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And so then the other party wins. And it's it's a back and forth. It's been away for a few decades now. Yeah. And 
This movie is about what happens when one party gets tired of that back and forth, so they start to change the rules to benefit their side little by little, which undermines democracy. But that, that, but that strangely familiar. But that party's voters don't really care because they're winning. Yep. And you start to realize that their situation there is so, so similar to our own. Mm-hmm. The, this movie starts as a very good historical documentary and then basically becomes a straight-up horror movie. Like, I was sitting there curled up on the couch, my heart's racing, and I, like, was dreading what happened next. And I was like, I'm, I'm literally watching a horror movie right now. That's yeah. what this is. I just think this is a fantastic documentary. Wow. I think it is a must-watch. Wow. I think that, like I said, it's hard to compare the one, all the ones in this category. Totally different kind of movie from Honeyland. But I think Edge of Democracy and Honeyland are, like, the two movies that I need to tell people Go watch these. And they're both on streaming services. So I would highly recommend check both these movies out. Yeah. I uh, I will be watching it. I did just do a Netflix search for the word Edge, and it is number six. Came up on yours. All right. Yeah. It could, yeah, it could have just been my... Did I don't you know spell it, it wrong? Uh, it's spelled Eggdy, right? Uh, yes, correct. I am... Uh, no, I'm very excited about that movie. And that was one I tried to squeeze in, but just didn't have enough time. I think you've got it. I was too busy staring at shots of Honeyland to, for hours <laughs> for days uh, to watch anything else. All I'm, right. I'm picking Honeyland for that just to make that my official pick. I think American Factory is going to win. Are we betting on these picks? Because I think we should wager something. We're going to be betting on our ballots when the I don't want to bet on ballots. I want to bet on these picks. I want to follow my heart on my ballot. These are the exact... What are you talking about? I'm going to make different selections. That's silly. I'm making the same selections. When we're casually at a party with friends watching Oscars in our PJs, uh, I will be following my heart and this is, you know, this is public. That's this why is, you lose every time. I don't lose every time. <laughs> uh, I have lost at all the award shows this year. But <laughs> and plan, last. And I plan, prior. I plan to stop that uh, at the Independent Spirit Awards. However, I'm picking Honeyland for this one. Sound editing is our next category. So, as what happens every single year, there's sound editing and sound mixing, and mm. no one understands the difference between them. I, I literally... Like, part of the work I do is, like, sound production, and I still have a hard time keeping them straight sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sound editing is basically the the team of people who gather sounds and create sounds for movies. Think about, like, sound effects. It actually used to be called sound effects editing, this Mm -hmm. this category used to. Mm -hmm. Sound mixing is, like, when you take all the sound, that gathered sound, plus the dialogue, plus Mm -hmm. the music, all Mm -hmm. that stuff... The levels of audio. How does it all sound as one thing? It's more relational. Yeah. yeah. How do the sounds relate to one yeah. another? Yeah. So really, these two things are actually very separate. Like there may, there may be like a one person who's kind of overseeing it all, but they're done by different teams for mm-hmm. the most part, at least on bigger budget movies. However, the nominees for the two categories are almost the exact same, except for this year. Some years there's like one or two things that are off. So basically, sound editing, the nominees are 1917, mm-hmm. Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And then in sound mixing, the only difference is that there's no Star Wars, and instead it's Ad Astra. It's a different kind of Star Wars. It is a very different kind of yeah. Star Wars. Um, no, and uh, here's the deal with these movies, too. I have not seen Ford vs. Ferrari, and I mm-hmm. think this that will probably win one of these categories. I would imagine with racing cars, dialogue on top of that, you know, headset stuff going on, there's probably some great sound mixing there. However, for that category, I'm going to pick Ad Astra because I think the sound mixing on that movie was phenomenal. You've got narr- you've got voiceover narration. You've got one of the best scores I've heard in a long time. You've got dialogue in that movie. You've got spaceship sounds in that movie as well, equipment sounds. I 
think that will win. I think I think the three front runners in this are really 1917 Ford versus Ferrari and Ad Astra. I think that's probably accurate. Uh, I don't get how Joker like I don't I don't know. Some of the, sometimes you see this and you're like I don't get the logic here, but it's yeah. it's sound designers who nominate this stuff. So I mean I. I I guess you gotta trust that these are all like valid nominees. I, I don't know. I if Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker becomes an Oscar winner, I would fucking I'm be, be so happy. I'm to be a little angry. I would be so happy. I'm gonna be staring at your face. <laughs> It'd be like when Suicide Squad won for oh makeup, and that gets to be called Oscar-winning Suicide Get Squad. Get out of here! Yuck! All right, so who are you picking for sound editing? Then? Here's what I think. 1917, I think, could take both of these two. So Ford versus Ferrari. I, I've kind of like done some research about how the sound was done in that film. It actually is pretty amazing how they like use car replicas and like the all the work they went to to get the engine and like car part sounds to sound right and like in a theater that surround sound was amazing like the sound on that was great if i was voting i'd probably give my vote to that one however i was looking at past winners look at trends it's like war it is war movies sci-fi and music related movies that is literally all that ever wins this category no matter like and so i think something there's not a lot of racing movies though what it comes down to, I think, is that there's movies that are like real life, like actually meant to sound and look like our contemporary life, people don't really understand the work that goes into making them sound that way. But when it sounds that are not quite like our real life, like it's when it's like music or like sci fi or like some war thing or something that sounds like German, unlike they're the world around them. German soldiers from World War Two. I mean, it's, it's something like that. Yeah. Like when it sounds that are kind of, you can tell. Oh, they had to make those sounds. They had to create that soundscape. That makes, like, kind of layman's just feel like, oh, that sounded the best because the sounds were cool. your pick is Star Wars (laughs) The Rise of Skywalker based on that logic. I think that it has a chance, actually. I do, too, actually. But I'm personally picking 1917 for both of these categories. I'm picking 1917 for sound editing. I am holding out hope for one of my favorite movies of the year, Ad Astra, for sound mixing. I think, again, it was just so well done. And you know what? For sound editing, I'm going to change it to Star Wars Rise of Skywalker just out of spite for you. (laughs) Our next category, I don't even think we need to discuss, unfortunately, but we will, uh, is actress in a supporting role. We've got Florence Pugh for Little Women, Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Margot Robbie for Bombshell, and Scarlett Joe for Jojo Rabbit. I think this is one of the biggest locks of the evening. I think Laura Dern's got it in the bag. I don't really, I mean... It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Some, some years, you know, there's someone who you think is a lock, but then there's kind of like this enough people are like, oh, they're going to win. So instead, I'm going to vote for this person. But mm-hmm. and something like last year, Glenn Close lost to Olivia Coleman. Yeah, it was a big surprise. It was. But see, like Olivia Coleman was like a pretty clear second kind of like second best in terms of the, the probability. Mm-hmm. I don't know what actress here is kind of like the second most likely behind Laura Dern. It could be just about any of them. You know, from the movies I've seen, I would I would put Florence up there, but I think Kathy Bates carries some weight from what I've heard in her Richard Jewell performance. She, she's good. Um, and I, I could see that, but yeah, there's really, as much as I'd like to say Scarlett Joe deserves it for Jojo Rabbit, I think she's outshined by Florence and Little Women and definitely by Laura Dern in Marriage Story. So I, I yeah, there's really not much to chat about here yeah i think it's laura dern i mean and her and brad pitt have both been given some pretty good speeches these award shows like i'm excited to see both of them win it's gonna be entertaining i'm excited for brad pitt's next speech to just be a direct love letter reading to jennifer (laughs) aniston i think that'll make for some great tv the next category is foreign language film 
Honeyland was nominated in this category. I know. Which, this is only the third time ever that a documentary was nominated in the foreign language category. Please let that speak to how much you should go see this movie, everybody listening. And by go see it, I mean sit on your couch like the lazy piece of crap you are and watch it on Hulu. I think it's more so the Academy of Voters literally didn't realize it was a documentary. Probably. So they nominated it in this category. Honestly. Um, I... I think we, I think we know it's going to be Parasite. It's going, yeah. There's of really no doubt in my mind. There's, yeah. I in my in the like the back of my mind and like the deepest recesses of hope. I I really hope that voters give Parasite Best Picture and Honeyland Best Foreign Language Film, but I know that that won't happen. It's not going to happen. So we got Corpus Christi, which is a Polish film, which is not yet available to watch anywhere yep. around here. I really look for that one because it looks good. Uh, and there's Honeyland, and there's Les Misérables, which is a French film, and it's it is not a musical. It is no. a modern day kind of take on the story of Les Misérables and Pain and Glory with uh, Antonio Banderas, who. I think one of the best performances of the year. I, I wasn't crazy about the movie as a yeah, whole. I remember, but uh, I, he did a very, very good job in this film. I was almost under the impression that Les Misérables, this version, was like an almost faux documentary type movie, but I don't think it is. Uh, regardless, uh, I know you said you didn't like Pain and Glory. I'm, I'm still haven't seen that one. I need to see it. We're going to probably see Les Mis. I probably can't call it Les Mis because it's not the classic Les Mis, but we're going to see that this weekend. But Parasite's going to win this. There's really no doubt. It's been sweeping. But I am very, very glad that Honeyland is nominated for this. Made yeah. me very excited. The next category, the next few categories, uh, we cannot really speak to at all because every year you and I like to go and watch all the nominated shorts at AMC, mm-hmm. one of our favorite pastimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, animated short film, our nominees are Daughter, Hairlove, Kitbull, Memorable and Sister. Yeah. The only one I've seen is Kitbull. It was like I saw it on YouTube like oh. earlier in the year. Oh. It's really cute. It's yeah. good. Uh, from what I've heard, Hair Love is definitely the front runner in this category. But I'm excited to see all these in a couple yeah. couple weeks. I think local theater. Uh, the other three all look to be like claymation. Yeah, which I love claymation. I, everyone knows we do. I am picking just based off the posters. I'm going to pick Memorable uh, for my win, right. um, just because I think it looks cool. And it's got one of those, you know, little awards logos with the vines on the side. So that means it's a lot. It's got to mean that it's good. Um, The next one is a category that I feel extremely well qualified to talk about. Uh, It is animated feature film. Have you seen all of these? I've seen all of these movies. Wow. Read them Uh, off. I put in the work. So (laughs) I had like the last week to watch to get caught up. And I watched uh, three of these movies and I had seen the other two before. It is How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I Lost My Body, which is on Netflix. Klaus, which is on Netflix. Missing Link, which is on Hulu. And Toy Story 4, which is probably coming to Disney Plus's Empire sometime soon. Um, All five of these movies are great. Um, Across the board, really good. Most of them, other than, I'd say, Toy Story and Hidden Dragon. So I Lost My Body, Klaus, and Missing Link all have incredibly amazing visuals. um, Really unique styles as well. How to Train Your Dragon... Yes, it's stunningly beautiful, but it's kind of more of the same. Um, story's not the best, so I'm going to take that one out of the running okay. in my mind. Um, which ones have you seen? I should. Check. I Lost My Body, Missing Link, and Toy Story. Okay. Missing Link, we both loved. I put that in my top ten movies. Um, beautiful claymation movie. Toy Story 4, just an absolute stunner. Could win. That one was on my top ten list. Could win. I think it's, I think it's going to win. Toy Story 4? Pixar... Almost always wins. They have an almost flawless record. But see, I think originality is going to go far this year. I really do. Um, Klaus, knock me off my socks. <laughs> I was going to say. 
just like this, just like the slippery floor does. Um, the animation style of Klaus is unlike anything I've ever seen. It is really, really unique. Very beautiful as well. The story too is, you know, you kind of know what it's about going into it, but it's done in a really unique way. It's a very unique story. I should stop saying unique to describe this film, but it is unique. It, I mean, it, it is like related to Christmas. Yes, it is, but okay. it's not like directly okay. a yeah. Christmas story. I just want to make sure it wasn't. Yeah. Um, the cast is absolutely amazing. It, every time somebody talked, it blew me off my socks. <laughs> You've got Jason Schwartzman as the main character, Rashida Jones, Joan Cusack, J.K. Simmons, Norm MacDonald, and Mad TV's biggest hit, Will Sasso. Um, in this, I love every cast member of this movie. The voice acting is great. It is one of the cutest, most heartwarming movies, I would say. Also, I wept like a baby in this movie. I absolutely loved Klaus, and I would like to see Klaus or Missing Link win uh, this category. You, I know, loved I Lost My Body, so I'll let you talk about that one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a French movie. It's about uh, a hand that is basically, it's a, it's a severed hand. Yeah. And the hand wakes up in a fridge mm-hmm. and is trying to find, you know, its body or what happened to it. It's just like going throughout the world and battling with, like, rats and, yeah. and like, trying to explore the world as a hand. One of the best scenes I've seen in animation is the hand fighting rats. It's really on a, good. On a subway. That perspective of it, like from the hand's point of view, following a hand around the world, using a ravioli can as like a hermit crab type shell, mm-hmm. is absolutely fascinating. I like I, I did love that. Um, it, it's it's a it's a cool movie and it's it's one that so I really, really love the music in this film. I've actually yes. been listening to it nonstop, listening to it all the time, like yep. when I'm at work or doing anything and like this is a movie that you kinda just you got to stick with because it's not really until it's over that you really even get what it is, you know? Like, it's yeah. going and you're like, I don't even know what's going on, really. I'm just, I don't get, it's, it seems kind of aimless. It is. But then I, it's... It's a bit meandering. Absolutely. Yeah. But it is, you know, I, I enjoyed this movie. I don't think most people would. I think it's a little too slow for most people. Mm-hmm. But it is really, again, really cool, unique uh, animation style. Um, the ending, to me, just didn't have much like i was kind of like yeah. i'm putting in some time for this give me something good and it was it's a cool ending you know it's cool yeah I, I can i can see what you mean it's certainly it's it's not the kind of like mind-blowing ending that makes you see the whole thing differently it just mm-hmm. it ends and it's it's a quiet ending it's a quiet movie it's yeah. everything about it is it's kind of understated yes but i i like the whole vibe i enjoyed yeah. it quite a bit it is a definitely a vibe i would say it'd be a good one to put on for like a date Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> Actually, definitely not, now that I think about it. Um, I don't know. It's It was good. It's, it was just a little slow. And like compared to the other movies, I think Klaus, Missing Link, and Toy Story, and probably even How to Train Your Dragon, I enjoyed a little more. But Klaus Here, and Missing Link are my top two for this one. Here's what I'll say. Uh, the cynical side of me will come out. Academy voters are notorious for not even watching all the animated films. Yeah. And just picking the one that their kids like. Or the one that they've heard of the most, which is why Pixar always wins. And then when Pixar doesn't win, it's like Disney Studios or like very rarely something else. And the fact that Frozen 2 is not nominated means that I think this is a lock for Toy Story. I'm going to pick Klaus based on Netflix streaming accessibility and kids mainly watching a shitload of Netflix these days. All right. Um, I would pick Missing Link. Actually, you know what? I'm going to pick Missing Link. It won Best Animated Feature at the Globes. I think that probably got some attention brought to it. Um, hopefully people took notice. I think the animation in that movie is unparalleled, at least with these other nominees. 
The next category is production design. So this is, you know, the, the sets of films and how well they're constructed. We got 1917, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and The Irishman. This one is so hard. This is a very, very hard one. The house from Parasite, again, iconic. Well, both the house and the apartment that the yes. family lives in are, they both seem just so pulled out of real life. Like, perfect but also, fit for the families. But also, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Yep. literally, there is, there's a single... I don't even call it a montage, but there's there's a few shots of like the signs being lit up mm-hmm. on Hollywood Boulevard, yep. and I'm like, they won the Oscar right there. They recreated entire locations that actually yeah. existed in Hollywood, and that people in the Academy are going to look at with such love. You don't think 1917 has a chance here, though? With if I was voting, I would probably go to 1917. Yeah. But I think that again, it's one of these like when it's like recreating you know the real life terrain of war so much it feels less created it feels less designed and mm-hmm. feels more like natural like there was points in that movie where i was like like there, there's a scene in 1917 where it's it's the ruins of a town yes and it wasn't until after i saw the movie that i realized i'm like oh they built that yeah like that isn't just the actual ruins of an yeah. actual town they recreated an entire destroyed town yeah and that he just runs all the way through it. I mean, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg. There's so much stuff in the film that I'm like... trenches, elaborate trenches they dug and built yeah, they to had, match the tech of the times. So they, I mean, the battlefields alone. like, And it had to all be constructed in a way that allowed the camera to move yeah. completely seamlessly through it. That's what blows my mind. That's what I'm going for for my pick for production design. Again, I'd like to see Jojo Rabbit because you could argue a few of the same things, but I just don't think it's going to carry enough weight in most people's minds. Uh, for them to vote for it. Um, you know, it's part, it's kind of a mix between 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um, in terms of production design, I feel like. Um, and it's right in the middle of those two movies. I think, you know, almost. If you look at the posters, pretty much spot on. Um, but I, I'm going to give it to 1917 there. I don't I, think the Irishman, I don't understand who voted. No, I don't. I mean, okay, I actually did really like the production design of that film, but I think similar to The Suits, yeah. it's, it's just, it's reality. It's mm-hmm. not really at all iconic it's not like recognizable stuff it's just it's good but it's pretty much that's that yeah so my prediction is once upon a time in hollywood for production design okay i'm excited to hear your thoughts on the next category i am because visual effects do you want to read them off for me no uh we have 1917 we have avengers endgame we have star wars the rise of skywalker if the Irishman wins this category, I will stop watching films for the rest of my, I will boycott the Oscars for the rest of my life. And then we have The Lion King, which I just recently watched as well. Um, it's such different movies. Like, the visual effects used in all these movies right, are... Like how do you compare these? How are they being compared? Like, a completely computer-generated animal, Robert Nero's goddamn face... Versus, like, superheroes fighting lightsabers and then just general, like, World War II visual effects. So, one thing I will say. Again, if I was voting, if I was in the Academy, let me in, guys. How do we 1917's visual effects are actually amazing. We just don't realize it. Yeah. Like, there are huge portions of set pieces in that film that were not there. Mm-hmm. Like, are you aware that the entire... Do you know about the scene where they added an entire building? Do you know about this? <laughs> no. There is a No, I don't. A, David Letterman. There is a building mm-hmm. and there is a there was a fire going on. Yeah. The building was not there. Okay. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it was just a, a a light rig. Yep. To create the lighting effects of, of what's happening. 
but the building was like stuff like that. Yeah. It's so naturalistic that people don't even know it's special effects. Therefore, mm. it's not going to win. Well, if you ask Aiden, the Lion King did the same thing. He could not tell that those <laughs> animals were computer generated at all. Um, I, you know, I went into the Lion King thinking like this could maybe be pretty good, and it's. It's not that good. I mean, A, the movie in general falls very flat. But the animation, like, a lot of times you see them, like, these animals walking. They're not even, like, leaving paw prints or, like, anything like that. Not very good. That's not winning. Irishman, out. Do you don't think... So, your vote, I'm guessing you're going to vote for 1917. No, no, no. I, I do not think it's going to okay. win. I would like to vote for that personally. My prediction is Avengers Endgame. I, I think it's going... I think it's one of those where it's kind of rewarding, kind of the whole series, and it's know, like... And there there are a lot of very good special effects. There is a, actually a scene in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, where it looks like there's a crash Death Star there, and it's so normalistic that we think it's actually there, but really, it wasn't there at all. Uh, and it's actually pretty amazing that they could just use computers to, to bring that in. Um, really stunning when you think about it. I think... I honestly think Star Wars is going to take this one. And I hope it's a double Oscar winner. Can I just say, Star Wars has been nominated in the last four years mm-hmm. and not won once. Yeah. And I do not think this is going to be the one to take that. I don't know. Did you see how real Princess Leia looked in this movie? My God. Actually, because she of that. She was Robert De Niro level. Because of that, I'm going to change it to Avengers Endgame, my vote. Uh, again, I'd love to see Star Wars win just for the sake of your brain imploding. I, I Okay. If Star Wars wins this, I will be a little irritated i'm not gonna be like baffled i i think there's actually is a chance the irishman wins this and it's because people love that so many technology well it's because a it is such an ambitious thing like it is i mean even if it didn't turn out even if it's only like 95 percent of what they want it to be it is still like a somewhat of an achievement that they did this entire thing yeah. but also a lot of the academy is pretty old and probably can't really tell much like the difference here. Yeah. Like they don't have like the eye for it that younger people do mm-hmm. necessarily. There's a chance I think it could possibly win, but my bet is on Endgame. Yeah. Now the next category, film editing. Yeah. This is this is an interesting category in that as we kind of talked about on our Oscars episode last year, mm-hmm. the best picture winners almost always have an editing nomination. Yeah. There's only been 10 times in the 90 plus Oscars oh, yeah. that a best picture winner did not have an edit nomination. And our nominees are Ford vs. Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Parasite, and The Irishman. No Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No 1917. Yeah. That it's it's kind of something to consider that like again, 1917, I listened to a great interview with Roger Deakins and yeah. with Sam Mendes, the, the director of photography and the director of this film. And they talked about how they're like People love to come up to us after showings in 1917 and be like, they like they like to point out the cuts yeah. because they think that they're yeah. smarter than them. Okay. And Roger Deakins was like, A, there are many parts and people say there was cuts that there were not cuts. Yeah. And B, there were many cuts in this film that not a single person has singled out because mm-hmm. no one can tell. Yeah. And when you can't tell when the cuts are there... It's not going to win an editing. Well, it's yeah. Award. It's not. It's not like they have to go behind a log to make a cut. You know, they can stop moving the camera really anywhere and pick up right where they left off once they. Well, it's not people. even stop though. Like, no, it's I, in well, motion. That's a. It's a simpleton's explanation of it. They're they're not just going behind logs for every cut in this movie either, Nathan. But well, I mean, there are some where they go behind some. But yes. what I'm saying is that the the movies that win for best editing are like where the editing is very noticeable. Mm-hmm. Like if you recall Bohemian Rhapsody. 
one for editing last year. Like Because there was 19 cuts in every 10 seconds. It's movies that have a lot of cuts. And because of that... You're going to pick Ford vs. Ferrari. Yes. I'm going to pick Jojo Rabbit. Really? Yes. I loved the editing in that movie. I thought it was so perfectly done. If you watch it, like there's scenes where... You know, for example, there's a scene where he's kind of at like a Boy Scout camp and like there's a there's a little montage. There's action shots where he's it, it, it's subtle editing. It really is. But I, I I think it's just so well done that I'm going to pick Jojo Rabbit. Editing does like play a large part in uh, comedic timing. It does. Know? And a movie like this, like it, it does. Well, it does play a big role. Cutting from, you know, having an invisible friend to, you know, Taika Waititi being there in full Hitler garb and then kind of cutting out of the scene as well. That combined with seeing the world from this little boy's viewpoint, it's I just think it's really, really well done. I think every time I've talked about that movie, I've mentioned the editing, so I would love to see that one. I personally am like a little baffled by Joker's nomination here. I can't like, me too. I don't get what what about that movie, why the editing it, The editing like it's it's very it's simple, it's very like hands off editing. I don't know. It's the I same I feel the exact same about the film editing as I do sound editing and sound mixing for that movie. I don't get why it's in these categories. I don't but, Honestly, when movies end up being nominated for all these technical awards, even yeah. though they may or may not deserve it, it's kind of a sign of their momentum. Like, yeah. it's a sign that they're going to take home a lot of I don't stuff. don't want it to win Best Picture. My bet's on Ford versus Ferrari. I could also see Parasite for editing. Um, mm. I don't know. This one's a little bit up in the air. Yeah, it's JoJo. Next category is one that we truly have... You haven't seen any of these short documentaries, no. have you? I'm not either. So we're going to be seeing those soon. I won't even speak to those. We um, have In the Absence, yep. Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone if you're a girl. Life Overtakes Me, mm-hmm. St. Louis Superman, and Walk, Run, Cha-Cha. I am picking St. Louis Superman because it has the most uh, olive branches and awards on its cover. <laughs> yes, it does. It's a cool poster. It is. Uh, I'm going to choose the Learning to Skateboard in the War Zone. That's my second sounds choice. sounds super interesting. Because it has the second most olive branches <laughs> on its <laughs> you, cover. You did count. Yes. The next category, live action short film. Again, I've not seen any of these. It's Blind. A Sister, Brotherhood, Nefta Football Club, mm-hmm. Saria, and The Neighbor's Window. I'm going to go with The Neighbor's Window. I'm going to choose can Brotherhood. You, can you guess why I'm going with The Neighbor's Window? <laughs> I have no clue. Please it has tell me why. the most olive leaves, olive branches on it. Are the those bro- olive branches? What are they? I've called them I, something I else. I think so. The Brotherhood has a logo that doesn't have any olive I think it's, branches. Yeah. Uh, I have heard amazing things about Nefta Football Club, though, so I'm intrigued. I'm very excited to watch all of those. Yeah. I, I love watching all these back-to-back. Last year, we had a great experience oh. watching the, uh, the live-action short films, and, and it was soul-sucking. Oh, my God. They're all so depressing. So we'll see if that happens again. We will. Next category that I am very excited about, Nathan, and I know you are, too, cinematography. We've got 1917, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, and The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse is Oscar-nominated, oh. which makes me so happy. So gd happy like unbelievably happy i honestly think too it has to win this category it's not going to but i i would love if it did what it's it's just it's so low profile like not enough people will have even seen it i know but it's, it's one of those movies that academy voters who are catching up on like dozens of movies they're not going to be like i have to see this for its cinematography because they're going to see black and white and be like i don't like whatever i get it i well, get it i mean it. you had the artist that won you know i know but i'm saying this also but the type of movie whatever, this is fine they're not going to even check just it out. pick 1917 but i'm, and but shut I'm, the I'm so happy that it's it's it raises its profile i'm following my heart i'm going with the lighthouse nathan i my bet is 1917 however i think joker's got a serious chance I could it's see Joker got some winning very, too. Very good cinematography. It really does. I think with you know, you think of the scene in the bathroom with him. You think of again, but it's 
it's hard to tell what's cinematography and what's his performance. And I feel like it's so hard to separate just watching him in any frame is compelling because of the way he moves and comes in and out of the frame. But is that the cinematography or is that just his performance? Yeah. Is it the way it's captured or is it what's being captured? Yes. That's what's hard for me to to discern there. But I mean, um, looking at past winners, I'm just going to read the last few years. Roma, Blade Runner, La La Land, The Revenant. Lighthouse is winning. I mean, I I think it's, I think these movies are, they like landscapes, Mm -hmm. you know, they like big kind of broad scenery that kind of thing again yeah. it's it's like is it the way it's captured or is it just like is it a cool is it cool production design or yeah. is it is it a cool location i don't know but it is typically films with bigger scale so i think 1917 has the edge here i definitely agree with you but i did, i have to follow my heart if, uh, if i was an academy member i would leap out of my seat to punch a hole through the white house the dangling chad yeah of course and uh hanging chad i would ruin my entire ballot um if the lighthouse wins, can we do a celebratory shot of Malort? Can you have some on hand just in case? Oh, I always do. Pocket holster. I'll do a shot of Boston cream. Ooh, we're gonna go through so many a chocolate <laughs> cream, chocolate eclair cakes pies. I don't even. Oh God, my life has forever changed. <sighs> Original score. This is impossible. 1917. Yeah. Joker. Yeah. Little Women. Yeah. Marriage Story. Yep. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which keeps sneaking in there. <laughs> I, I did not realize it was nominated for so many films. It's like so four. many awards. Um, Joker's going to win. Joker's going to win. She's won every award that she's been nominated for, I'm pretty sure. And I, I completely get it. Again, this is one of those categories where it's similar to costume design. If you like a more classical score, mm-hmm. 1917, Little Women, and Marriage Story all have that. Yeah. So people who like that stuff are going to be pretty divided between those because those are all pretty acclaimed scores. Absolutely. Joker sounds unlike anything else. Yeah. And that score makes that it movie. Fits. Like, Joaquin's number one, the score is number two in terms yeah. of what just the tone of that film, mm-hmm. just everything it has going for it. Absolutely. It's a really great score. It and is. It's going to win this category. 100%. Original song. What the so, fuck is Breakthrough doing? Let me just here? say, I cannot handle it. Taylor Swift's Cat Song, not nominated. Beyonce's Lion King Song, not nominated. Oh, man, do they And you are. know that the producers of the Oscars were like, damn it, we had a chance at doing something in this show that people wanted to watch. Yep. And instead, we have Breakthrough, the Christian movie about the kid who falls through the ice. I don't understand. Frozen 2, Into the Unknown. The Breakthrough song is called I'm Standing With You. What is it like? A little ironic because he's not standing; he's drowning. Who sings it? Chrissy Metz. I don't even know who that is. The movie Harriet. If the song "Stand Up," which I believe is by sung by Cynthia Revo, oh, uh, the lead really? actress. I think so. That's pretty cool. What I think is going to win, Rocket Man. I'm going to love me again. Agreed. And then Toy Story Four. I really like the song. It's called "I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away." I don't remember that song. It's just like it's plays during the montage when Forky is trying, trying to kill himself. Yeah. And uh, it's a good dark, song. Dark. It's just trying to hang in the trash, man. But, like, are they really going to perform these songs live? Does anyone want to hear any of these songs live? I want to hear I'm Going to Love Me Again as long yeah, as of course. Taren come they're, they're definitely going to do that live. But, like, is I, Randy Newman going to play his Toy Story song? The, is is Adina Menzel going to do her, like, Frozen song? The are they going to have the kid fall through the ice again live for the breakthrough song? Like, what's going to oh happen? Oh, my God. The breakthrough song is sung by the mom in that movie. I From This Is Us? Yes. Alright. I'm sorry. I can't. 
believe. If I recall correctly, I think last year they only played a handful of the songs in the throughout the the evening. Mm-hmm. The Oscars they didn't do all five. I hope they only play an amputee's handful this year, and it's one finger left. I think they're gonna do the Frozen song, Rocket Man, maybe Stand Up. I can maybe. see them doing Stand Up. Um, I bet they're yeah. gonna do. I bet they'll do them all. But I am astounded that Breakthrough is an Oscar-nominated movie. It's worrisome. On the other hand, mm. original screenplay mm-hmm. is a pretty cool category because we've got Knives Out nominated. Yeah. Along with 1917, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. All movies I loved. This is Absolutely a, This loved. is a really solid category. I was very happy to see Knives Out finally get some love, too. Because yeah. I feel like it, it missed out on a lot of other nominations that it probably should have been in the mix for. I I could really see any of these but 1917 winning. I don't think 1917 is going to get it because there's so little dialogue. Like people, yeah, they don't really realize how much non-dialogue is actually written Mm -hmm. into films. So Mm -hmm. they're just, they're going to write that one off. Yeah. Marriage Story has just some excellent back and forth. I mean, yeah, everything you remember from that movie is just like the great conversations. Yep. Yep. And the performances Not, brought it to life so well. Yeah, and Knives Out is like such a smart mystery. Yes, it's just it's 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 a very tight film, you know. It it's, is. It's and very. It's perfectly paced, perfectly put together. There's so many different characters too, and so much. So that movie's all dialogue. It's all dialogue, um, and it it speaks volumes about the script. I think Front Runner, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think so. I think it's gonna win. I do too. I'd like to see Knives Out edge him out. I would. I love Tarantino. He's got his, he's got his, you know, treasures for this season. I think let somebody else get a get a little trophy. Um, I'd like to see Knives Out, but I'm going to bet on on Quentin taking it home. Parasite could see it. Has a chance. Has a chance. But I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's uh, the Laura Dern of original screenplays. Speaking of Laura Dern, this next category I'm very excited about because mm-hmm. a movie I love I think has a real chance at winning. So, okay, we have Jojo Rabbit for adapted screenplay along with Joker, mm-hmm. Little Women, mm-hmm. The Irishman, and The Two Popes. I think that Little Women is going to win this and in part because of the fact that Greta Gerwig was snubbed for Best Director. Mm-hmm. I think that that gives her an edge in this category for writing for her, this film. Mm-hmm. And I will, I will just be delighted to see her get up there and give a speech. I would absolutely love that as well. I th- do agree that I think she has an edge. Um, I think Taika also has an edge for that same reason, but not nearly as much as Greta Gerwig because she's gotten a lot of, uh, you know, attention for being kind of cut out of a lot of these director races, like you said. But uh, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Jojo Rabbit. I yeah, think it's just I a, yeah. I you know I think Little Women. I, I think we both agreed and gushed over how well she translated that story into the screen and. Um, I don't know. I think Jojo Rabbit just, I just love that movie. I just can't stop loving it. You're going it. with your heart. I am following my heart. I love Little Women too. And I would love to see her win and that movie get some credit. Um, Cause we, t- I think we talked about it in, uh, in our top 10 episode, just how much uh, we appreciate how that was put together and how easily it could have gone wrong. Um, and exactly, it doesn't yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, I need to know more about the, the source for Jojo Rabbit before I can, you know, really speak to that, but I'm going to say you did a great job. And money's on little women. I think that the two popes, like I said, I wasn't crazy about the movie. Mm-hmm. It, it has a very, very good screenplay. Yeah. I think it has a chance in this category. Also the Irishman. I mean, it's you and I both love like all, all that mob dialogue. Like it has some, it's got some delicious dialogue. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's very fun to listen to mm-hmm. delivered very well by these, by these actors. 
it also has a shot in this category. This yeah. is a little bit of a toss-up. It is. We're getting to the big ones. Ooh. Director. Yeah. We got Bong Joon-ho for Parasite. Mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese for The Irishman. Mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sam Mendes for 1917. And Todd Phillips for Joker. Some big names. I think this is a two-man race. Sam Mendes and Bong? That is right. Yeah. Uh, you know, they. I think they, they split the... Critics' Choice Award for Best Director. They tied uh, this year. Both of those two. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't know. That. Um, they did. Um, so I think you're you're spot on. I know Sam Mendes took the took the Golden Globe. I'm gonna put a wild card in here, um, and I'm gonna go with Quentin on this. Really? Yeah. I think uh, people like his directing. I don't think Scorsese has a chance. I could see Phillips also taking this. I honestly Maybe. could. Um, it'd be it'd be pretty funny if he beats Scorsese oh with man. his movie that People is just an all-out so homage to his films. Yeah. Yep. Uh, which one are you going to go with, though? I'm them? betting Sam Mendes, but I'm also kind of curious to see how the DGAs go. That's like the yeah. weekend before the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a tight race. I think that I could easily see Bong Joon-ho taking both foreign film and best director. Yes. He's he's beloved, and this is I mean, this is clearly would be rewarding him for all of his great art that he's made yep he's got a chance i think that on the awards circuit he has been so charming with while he's he's filming people with his phone i love him so much (laughs) but i mean sam mendy is like you just gotta admit that 1917 the direction of that film like it is it's a pretty masterful vision it is what he pulled off with roger deakins absolutely i'm uh i'm eager to watch the baftas too uh, I'm mm-hmm. like award show crazy right now, so I am just very excited to watch all of them. But um, the Baptists usually give a, a pretty good idea too, even though those Brits over there, you know, are a little crazy. Actor in a leading role, we got Adam Driver, yeah, for Marriage Story, Antonio Banderas, Pain mm-hmm. and Glory, mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, mm-hmm. Jonathan Price for The Two Popes, and Leo for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, I think it's locked up. I really want to see Adam Driver win a goddamn award. So. Let me just say this. Uh, Nathan and I will be watching the Oscars together. We will have ballots in hand that we grade and bet money on. I'm going to take Adam Driver in this choice, but I will be picking Joaquin when money's on the line. Um, but I'm going to follow my heart for this one because I, w- I think his performance is just amazing in that it movie. Is. I love him. Amazing. I love his performance in this film. I think that this is Joaquin's year. It is. and It is. I mean, honestly, I think it's one of the best performances in years like yeah. if, if you put him head to head with the winners of this award in the past five ten years yep. i think he would beat pretty much all of them it's, it's like up there for best of the decade yeah. i think it is an extraordinary performance it's, and after seeing his you know he, he's been known for his his antics and the way in past years how he didn't really care about awards and he kind of openly like yeah. went out of his way to kind of spit in the face of yeah. all this of all this nonsense but in these past few weeks you know at, at the sags his speech was very good it like was. he he's almost directly acknowledged the fact that he used to not care about this and that he's yep. changed and that he's gonna get this oscar and that adam driver should have won so, yes he did say you know, that what can you say um no he's a shoe-in um it's it's kind of you know it, it kind of bums me out there's a, a handful of shoe-ins this year and it just makes it less fun to it watch. does but i mean i will say the biggest shoe in last year for some reason was glenn close everyone thought that was just a hundred percent locked up yeah and that was the big surprise i could see one or two of these categories like 
after weeks of it seeming like one person is so locked in, I think mm-hmm. there could be enough. But I don't. I think Oscar voting hasn't even opened yet. Yeah, and I think there could be some people who say, you know what, Joaquin's going to get it, but I'm going to give. I'm going to vote for Adam or I like love that. or. Brad Pitt's going to get it, but I'm going to vote for, you know, yeah. Anthony Hopkins or something like yeah. that. Like, yeah. I could see some surprises. I would I would love it. I think it's specifically in the next category of actress in a leading role. Congrats to Renee Zellweger for a phenomenal performance in Judy, but I want to see somebody else win. There are so many other great performances, um, and I would like to see any of the other actresses win in this category. So we've got Charlize Theron for Bombshell, yep. Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, mm-hmm. Renee Zellweger for Judy, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, and ScarJo for Marriage Story. Yeah. I'd love to see Saoirse win just because I love hearing her talk. Yeah. Um, and that I'd like to marry her one day if she would take me. And I think her performance was great in Little Women. Just beautifully done. Did you know this is her fourth nomination already? Yeah. And she's she, like my age. She is a powerhouse. Yeah. She's she's going to be like Meryl. Oh, like she she's going to be nominated almost, for almost everything. Already is. Like she started so young in, uh, what was it, Atonement? Or, I think so, yeah. Um, and she was great back then. She's great now. She hasn't had a misstep yet. Uh, and uh, here's to hoping she doesn't other than marrying me. Um, I, I heard a line in like an interview that uh, that Greta Gerwig has already found her De Niro, like yeah. in terms of like a Scorsese De Niro partnership. Yes. But it's like if Greta Gerwig and Saoirse Ronan just stick together and make like 10 movies together. Yeah. Awesome. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. I would love that so much. Um, keep making things. Uh, I think Zellweger will probably take this category. I sadly. think she will too. That's where my Have you seen is. Judy? I'm not. We no one be. has. <laughs> I don't think anyone's actually watched the no, movie. We should. They probably. just all decided in like August yeah. that she was going to win the Oscar. Ah, showbiz flick. Okay, <laughs> that's a winner. I'll pass. Yeah. We are on to the last award of the evening, Best and now picture. is when I get to walk you through my logic Hold for on. why I think a particular movie is going to win. Now I know you put in a ton of work, and you usually have a very lengthy explanation of. Why you think people will vote one way for one movie and why people will vote another way for a movie. So I'm guessing you have about two pages typed up. Before I get to that, I would like to vote and select our best pictured surprise suite. We tried each other's. I'd like to hear your your take on which one's the, the best. Can we not disagree that they're possibly two of the best things we've ever eaten? There can only be one winner, Nathan. I'm not picking. And it's this podcast. Is <laughs> our collective stomach. Yes. Which uh, we... Tie together using a complex machine at night. That's correct. So that we have the same uh, gut microbiome. That's right. It was recommended to us by our doctor. <laughs> What's his name again? Uh, his last name is Pepper. I'm not sure about first name. Mm. Best picture. 23 no- Steps to a Better Life, I remember. Best picture nominees. 1917. Mm-hmm. Ford vs. Ferrari. Mm. Jojo Rabbit. Winner. Joker. Yeah. Little Women. Mm. Marriage Story. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and The Irishman. God. Do you have a pick for who you think is going to win this award? I think it's either going to be 1917 or Parasite or Joker. Um, I'm going to pick 1917. Let me walk you through. I remember what last I year, this took like 20 minutes. This, so. I did not take nearly as many notes as last okay, year. Okay. I did legitimately take about four pages of notes last year yeah. on Best Picture. Oh, it's, it's not we all bad. know, Nathan. I'm going to go in order from least likely to most likely to win. Okay. Ford vs. Ferrari has no chance. Correct. Little Women has no chance. Mm. Jojo Rabbit will not be taken seriously. 
Could you just say it has no chance? Why do you got to say that? Why do you got to say it will not be taken seriously? Marriage Story, as we touched on earlier, was once considered a possibility, but it has completely lost momentum. Laura Dern is all this movie's going to get. God. It has a long shot chance at screenplay, but probably just Laura Dern. I fucking hope Jojo Rabbit wins just to screw you. Similar over. can be said for The Irishman, once considered a frontrunner. It came and went. It's made no splash award shows. It might win adapted screenplay, might go home empty handed. Netflix, I think, is going to be doing some soul searching because they spent, between their three movies and the Oscars, they probably spent $250 million. Ugh. And they're probably going to go home with a Laura Dern Supporting Actress Award between That's the sad. two popes, Irishman and Marriage Story. Yep. So what's your what's your pick then? I think that Parasite has a chance. Mm-hmm. It, it is a lock for Best International Picture, mm-hmm. has a chance for Best Director, but unfortunately, I think that so many voters probably see International Picture as enough of a consolation prize yeah. that it won't win Best Picture. Yep. It's what happened with Roma last year. Mm-hmm. Like, Roma was the almost unanimous pick for Best Picture. Yes. And even that couldn't win. Yep. Parasite is by no means a unanimous no. pick at all. It's also worth considering, this might sound kind of silly, but the Academy is made up of a lot of very rich people. Mm-hmm. And this movie is a very pointed criticism of the upper class. Yes, very I think much there's so. probably a lot of people who are like, Ugh. yeah, uh, that movie was really good, but it actually made them very uncomfortable. Yep. And they don't really want to award it yep. more than one or two awards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this movie did win Best Ensemble at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, which a lot of people have been pointing to and saying, oh, my God, it's one of the frontrunners now because it won this big award. Let me just tell you. The last three Best Ensemble winners. Your brazen confidence about your selections. Green Book won last year, dude. Like, And you did not pick Green Book. No, I didn't. I'm you're, no, you're right. I, I love your I, brazen confidence. And like, let me tell you why it's not. I'm gonna. ready to acknowledge my faults from last year. But let me first say Best Ensemble at the SAGs. The last three winners were Black Panther, mm-hmm. Three Billboards, and Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. So that award does not by any means. Yeah. Give an indication as to what's going to win Best Picture. So okay. I think that is almost moot. Sure. This movie has a chance. I do not think it is one of the top most likely. Yeah. Moving on to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that one could take it. I think that it certainly could. I have it as the third most likely. I think that recency bias is going to affect yes. this movie. Big time. Had it come out a month ago, we'd be having a very different conversation about yeah. this award season. Yep. It, it's a quieter, more restrained movie. And it's just, it's the kind that... Again, like we said earlier, we loved it, but even we don't know. It's like, how much does it seem to be recognized? Or is it just like something that means a lot to me that that I connect with? But it's like, does this really represent, like, is this what we want to, you know, give our highest praise to? I don't know. I don't know if enough people are going to think that in the Academy. I think Tarantino will win Best Original Screenplay and Brad Pitt will win Supporting Actor. That's probably going to be enough for a lot of voters. Mm. And it, now it did win the Globe for Best Musical Comedy, yes. which Green Book won last year. Ugh. But that category, again, not a lot of correlation between that and Best Picture at the Oscars. So I think that's saying very little. Yep. I think this is a two-movie race between Joker wow. and 1917. Wow. Last year, we all thought for sure that Green Book would not win because there were too many haters. Yeah. Because Best Picture, just as a little reminder... As a preferential voting system, which means that voters are not voting for a single best picture. They're ranking all of them. Mm -hmm. They count up all the number one votes. If a movie gets 50% of the vote or more, that movie is best picture. Mm -hmm. If not, they take the movie with the least number of votes. They eliminate that movie and all of those ballots. The second place gets bumped up to first. They recount them. This process repeats until there's a winner. Mm -hmm. 
We thought that Green Book had too many haters. Everyone thought this, that there was too much controversy, that it was just too, it was speaking to a certain generation, but that young people just hated it so much that there was no chance it would win. Yeah. It was totally written off and it won. Yeah. The Academy loves movies that are boldly political, or at least like trying to be like Mm -hmm. Green Book, Spotlight, 12 Years a Slave, Jojo Rabbit, Moonlight, Jojo Rabbit falls in there. Yeah. Argos, like Shape of Water even could be considered that kind of like metaphorically. Yeah. I think that. And you could even say a parasite kind of falls in that category too. Mm-hmm. I think Joker is the one that could actually end up taking this award for that reason. There was a good article published around the time when Joker came out where it was on Hollywood Reporter and they interviewed 40 anonymous Academy members to like just get like a single sentence, just a little short take on what yeah. their thoughts were on the film. Of the ones that had seen it, they almost all loved it. Like, yeah. they were really, really into it. They thought it was very bold. That it was like an absolute must-see movie. Now, maybe it's just because of Joaquin Phoenix's performance. Maybe him winning Best Actor will be enough. Maybe they won't feel the need to award the movie and his performance. But maybe I don't know. They really, really like it. And like the discourse has been surrounding this movie for months would make you think. Like if you're like if you're very online, if you're on Twitter and you're keeping up with the conversation, the discourse, oh, yeah. you would think this movie has no chance of winning Best Picture. But like. As we learned last year, Academy members are not on Twitter. Yep. They do not care. Yep. They saw Green Book. Enough of them liked it, and they voted for it. And <sighs> it's that simple. And they might do the same with Joker. Could. 1917 is a technical marvel. It's a very effective drama. It's got good performances. I think it checks pretty much all the boxes. I think it's very possible it becomes this year's Roma in the sense that it's more admired than it is loved. And like similar to Alfonso Cuaron's wins last year for Roma... I could see 1917, Sam Mendes winning for director, mm-hmm. Roger Deakins for cinematography, but then this not winning Best Picture. And one award that I definitely don't see it winning for is Best Screenplay. Yeah. And I and I do I do want to point out, I know you love my numbers. <laughs> Twelve of the last fourteen Best Picture winners won for Best Screenplay, either adapted or original. Wow. So writing is clearly a key component when voters make their decision, like the story, the dialogue. Yep. Also, 1917 was not nominated for Best Editing, as we touched on earlier. There's only been 10 movies in the 92 years to win Best Picture without a Best Editing nomination. But on the other hand, another movie that won Best Picture without Editing nomination was Birdman. Another, like, seemingly one-take film. 1917, it it won the Producers Guild Award for Best Picture, which is the only other award show that uses the preferential ballot. Mm-hmm. And 10 of the last 12 PGA winners have won the Oscar. So that's actually very accurate. Makes sense. This movie also won the Globe for Best Drama. So, like, I think it has the most momentum for sure. If I was a betting man, which I am, <laughs> I'm putting money on this one. Okay. Lastly, I want to say the Oscar season this year is shorter than usual. It, the Oscars usually happen in late February. Yep. This year, it's like February 8th or 9th. Mm-hmm. That tighter window... I think what that does is it really helps a movie like 1917 because the film is this visceral experience. And if you're an Academy voter, the less time there is between when you see a movie mm-hmm. and when you vote on it, mm-hmm. the more vividly you're going to remember how you felt while watching it. And so you have less time to kind of mull it over and kind of second guess yourself. Like if I was a voter and you asked me when I was walking out of the theater of 1917, I would be like, yes, best picture. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. But like after months or maybe years of thinking, maybe I'm going to feel differently. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to benefit from that smaller timeline of yeah. award season. Yeah. You're probably right. So my money's on that, but I would not at all be surprised by a Joker win. I really hope Joker doesn't win, but yes, I agree. It, it, it could happen. And I feel like 
Joaquin just, I feel like he deserves best actor, but I don't think that movie deserves many more awards. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, but what can a little poor man like me do about it? Nathan, do we have much else to talk about these awards? Uh, I'm very excited for them. I am too. I'm always excited for them. I am. Uh, I'm pretty excited as well. I think, I think there's too many shoe ins. I think I'm always hoping for, you know, an underdog win, Adam driver, Jojo rabbit, uh, Klaus or missing link are my underdogs that I hope pull out some wins, but I just love watching people get awards. It's fun, you know, to to bet on it, to pick, to make your picks, to see what happens, to see the surprises, to see people just honestly grateful for an award and like to hear yeah. their speeches that are usually fun too. It's just it's a fun thing to do. It and is. you know what? I like having fun. <laughs> so I'm not gonna hate on it. Even if they make terrible decisions like they normally do, I'll only harp on it for like a few months. Speaking of harping on something, I would be remiss if I did not bring up the fact we didn't really mention any snubs as we went through this yeah, list. we did not. And I just want to mention one, my favorite movie of the year, Apollo 11. Ooh. Did not get nominated for Best Documentary. I was shocked about that, actually. Uh, Why do you think that is? I, so, okay. Last year, there was another big snub in this category, which is Won't You Be My Neighbor? Yeah. Mr. Rogers' film. Before the nominations were announced, that was considered the frontrunner to win, and it didn't even get a nomination. Everyone was like, what happened? Oh, it must have been that like everyone assumed it would it would win or be nominated. So like no one actually voted for it. Mm-hmm. So it's possible the same thing just happened again this year, the same kind of blunder. But I, I thought about it and I realized like, I think that what's kind of at play is that like, so again, it's, it's like documentarians voting for best documentary for yeah. the nominees. I think that they just don't think it's necessary to honor the movies that have made mainstream kind of broken through in the mainstream. Because mm. let me say, once you be my neighbor, yeah. Made over $20 million, which is a lot for a documentary. Apollo 11 worldwide made like $15 million. Again, quite a bit for a documentary. Yep. And there's so many documentaries that don't even go to theaters that like and make so little money that like maybe the voters in this category think we need to use this platform to elevate some lesser known stuff. And maybe Apollo 11, maybe if it had been there, maybe like something like For Sama wouldn't have been. And then much fewer people would have seen that film. So like I get the logic. I understand. But like, yeah. Oh, they've got to be thinking of themselves like, oh man, like we, we didn't nominate this movie, which is clearly like an astounding accomplishment. And it just kind of makes the whole thing feel a little invalid. Like it's, it's a reminder that like, this is not awarding the best of the best. There's no. so many, so much other criteria at play. And so at first I was really upset, but I was like, you know what? I saw the movie. The movie did well. Yep. I love it. I get to tell everyone I know about it. Like maybe it doesn't need this. I don't know. But I, but I am just, I'm just sad yeah. that it won't get the recognition. I am, uh, I am as well, Nathan. But what can you do? You know, the Oscars are just idiots. The Academy are just idiots. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Those little statues are <laughs> morons. Uh, if only we had our own award show, Nathan. <laughs> God, can you imagine trying to pick the nominees for an award show? Just me and you. The FFFFEs. Hmm. Sleek. I like the name. Yeah. Don't want to forget that one. Uh, well, while we think of a real name for our future awards show, uh, you can listen to the rest of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Anchor.fm, or wherever the hell else you listen to our sultry, smooth voices. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, feel free to leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Mm-hmm. It's free, it's mm-hmm. easy, and it means a lot to us. Yeah. Just like Nathan. Uh, or grab some of your very own Fast Food Film Friends merch at our website, which is shockingly named, titled? BFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFFF
stationed under <laughs> fastfoodfilmfriends.com. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Fast Food Film Friends, Twitter at FFFF Podcast, yeah. or email us at fastfoodfilmfriends at gmail.com. Let us know what you want us to eat or watch next time. Mm-hmm. We're getting to be in that dry spell of the year. The yeah. calendar is looking a little barren. Yep. Uh, we might be able to catch up on some 2019 stuff. Some, some fun picks maybe for our next couple episodes. Yeah. Not sure there. No. It's pretty bleak. I mean, it's a pretty bleak outlook for the next couple of months. Unlike last year, there's not multiple documentaries about Fire Festival for no. us to no. <laughs> watch all of. What, what are we going to do? So we'll see what happens. But <laughs> until next time, farewell. farewell.